Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. This episode is about, are you coachable? Is anyone coachable? Well, of course, but what are the criteria? First of all, you can't help people who don't want to help themselves. Marshall Goldsmith and I have collaborated on a few things, uh, conventions and so forth, and also a book uh, that we wrote together called Life Storming. And both of us agree that if somebody doesn't want to be helped, you just can't help them. Uh, It's a long haul and it doesn't work. And people who don't want to be helped aren't just those who say, I don't need the help. They're those who just want to be validated without really making any changes. In other words, pat my head and tell me I'm good enough. Let's not go farther than that. It includes those who say, hey, here's how to coach me. If you're going to coach me, I'll show you how I'm to be coached. That never works. Coaching is for short-term improvement in skills and behaviors and a mental set, let's call it one's emotions, that are manifest and repeatable. To me, that's coaching. It's short-term, maybe as much as 90 days, maybe as much as a week, maybe an hour, who knows. Longer-term help, where you deal with somebody for extended periods, to me is advising. It's a sounding board. And it's rather reactive instead of proactive, and it enables people to come to you and get your advice and your reactions based upon your expertise, rather than focusing on the client's specific behavioral improvements. Two different things. Codependency is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, and in either direction. And that's why coaching, coaching specifically as I've described it, improving behaviors and so forth, Uh, that goes on for a long time really does create codependency. We see this a lot in therapy, in therapeutic kinds of practices, in my opinion. But a good therapist, a family therapist, told me once that, you know, I will not get involved in your marriage to the couple. And I feel the same way. In my coaching, I tell people, I'm not going to do your job for you. I'm not going to become part of your operation. Or if you're an entrepreneur, become your partner. That's not how this works. Highly coachable people never say, I tried that and it doesn't work. Because in all probability, if they had gotten good advice, maybe they just didn't do it well enough or long enough or with enough discipline. And so, for example, if I tell people, here's how you get a referral, you ask for a specific name or a specific title known by the person you're talking to, and they say, hey, do you have any names for me? That's not doing it correctly. And so that's not a coaching error. That's a user error, so to speak. Coachable people complete assignments. They meet deadlines. They don't argue with metrics previously agreed upon. When I was running the North American operation for a consulting firm in Princeton, I had a managing director in Minneapolis in charge of the Midwest. And he had committed to, you know, a couple of million dollar budget for the year, uh, which would include, of course, his bonus compensation had he met it or exceeded it. And he told me at the end of the first quarter, he was fine, even though he was behind. The end of second quarter, he was fine, even though he was behind. The end of the third quarter, he was fine, even though he was behind. And of course, this is partly my problem and my fault, of course, too. And then into the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, I said, Gary, you're just not going to make it. There are six weeks left. And he said to me, that's because your metrics are wrong. You never should have agreed to this kind of a goal. (laughs) And it was his goal. He got fired not long thereafter. Coachable people see legitimate, authentic, long-lived benefits in positive change. 
They see their best interests being served, as well as the best interests of those people with whom they interact, be it family or friends or business uh, people or colleagues. And so there's a mutual win-win-win here. They don't allow their egos to block change or be used as an excuse. A lot of people procrastinate or don't change at all because of a fear of failure. They won't be able to make the adjustment. Or people say, I liked it better the other way because they got stepped on all the time. We got taken advantage of. And so we see this kind of almost subliminal resistance coming up. People who are uh, readily coachable don't try to become their coach. They don't try to become the other person. Now, they might try to adopt the behaviors of the other person in some instances, and that works. But it doesn't work to try to become someone other than who you are. You have to become the best possible person you can be, given your talents and given your experiences and given your motivations and so forth. And good coaches will coach people in that direction. They won't try to make them into themselves. And people who are good at being coached will follow that same path. How can I improve given my arsenal of weapons, given my resources? And people who are highly coachable are not self-absorbed or clueless. They pick up social cues. They're not imploding into themselves. I had a client once who I never should have taken on, and I should have fired her within the first month. But she was highly resistant to everything. And finally, she said, you know, I'd like better uh, results for my speeches. And I said, well, look, why don't we look at one of the speeches that you're making, you know, videotape it, and we'll look at the objective evidence here. And she said, well, that's fine, because the client's going to tape it anyway. And she sent me the video, and I opened it up, and she's introduced, and she walks on stage with her glasses perched on top of her head and her coat still on, a coat she would have used to walk into the place, a light coat, and the rest of her attire was casual, as if she were going uh, to some kind of sporting event. Yet, you know, she had 50 people in front of her during a conference. I said to her, what are you thinking? You can't walk on like this. I always walk on like that. People like the informality. No, they don't. You don't even look credible. And so she was just set in her ways. We're going to defend them at any cost. I should have gotten out of there sooner. My fault. People who are highly coachable do not listen to multiple coaches. They don't go coach shopping to find one who agrees with them the most, who will be the least attentive to helping them to change, who will be the softest when they say, I can't do this. They work with one coach whom they trust, and they try to do what they're told. So let me ask you a question here. What about you? Can you accept coaching that you request without conditions and without pushback? Are you amenable to that? What has your attitude been in the past? Can you change your behavior without experiencing an existential threat to your ego or to your status? Let's face it, you know the following as well as I do. Strong, powerful, successful executives take pride in being coached. They look forward to it because it, make them, it can make them still better, and they actually brag to friends that they're being coached. They'll even recommend the coach. There are some people who will only recommend you because they won't say you've been their coach. That's embarrassing. But they'll say you're a good person and they think a lot of you. And then there are people who regard coaching as an utter weakness, as a failure. And you meet them off site, you know, in dark alleys and in hushed terms. And they don't want to admit they've ever been coached. And most of these people are being coached because their boss told them it's that way or the highway. And so they reluctantly agree to it, but not much happens. 
So can you deal with people who regard coaching as a great investment and very positive? And can you accept coaching as a great investment and very positive in your own future? Are you engaged, in other words, in lifelong learning or the daily defending of your position and your turf entrenched on some hill fighting off enemy forces? That's not much of a stretch, that metaphor. Some people, well, they're the people who you say, stop being defensive, and they reply, I am not defensive. A CEO said to me, listen, Alan, I'm an expert on pharmaceuticals. You're an expert on behavior. I expect people to listen to me about pharmaceutical sales and marketing, and I expect I will listen to you on behavioral improvements. It's that simple. You know something? I wish it were. See you next time. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.